Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MMA, MMA show, Maths, Middle Age, Mixed Martial Arts show. Thank you for joining me. This week, we're going to cover all the news in MMA and talk a couple other stories that caught my eye over the past week. This show is coming out a day earlier than normal. Uh, it turns out that we might be getting some snow in the area that I live my kids have a half day today, so I had to switch my schedule around, take today off, which is Tuesday. So uh, the show's up a day early. So if there's uh, some other news that comes out, I won't be able to cover it till next week, most likely. So lucky you, not lucky you, I don't know. Either way, thanks for listening. And uh, let's get to it. This past weekend, the big show was UFC 234 on February 10th in Melbourne, Australia, the land down under. Attendance was 15238 with a total gate of $2.4 million. So a well-attended show. However, I don't think a lot of people bought this show on pay-per-view. The day of the show middleweight champion of the UFC, Robert Whitaker, a native Australian, New Zealander? Where's Robert Whitaker from? Let's find out. Let's find out. I'm pretty sure he's Australian. But then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking he's from New Zealand. I feel like I've seen him with that flag. God damn it, he's Australian. I knew it. Should have gone with my, my gut instinct. But I like to be factually correct here. Either way, Whitaker pulled out the day of the show. He had made weight. It looked like the fight with Gastelum for the middleweight championship was going to happen. But he had to have emergency hernia surgery the day of the show. Uh, apparently, they were saying if he got punched in the, in the stomach, uh, like his insides could have exploded and his guts would have been falling out all over the Rob Laver arena. That didn't turn out to be happening. They caught it. He had emergency surgery. It took like three and a half hours. Uh, no word on what the recovery time is like. Dana White claimed it could be like six to eight weeks. Matt Damon, yes, that Matt Damon, the actor, Goodwill Hunting, uh, Jason Bourne, those films. Little known fact, the best Matt Damon movie ever is called Rounders. It's about poker, Texas No Limit Hold'em. It's old. Came out in like 99. Awesome movie, though. Recommend it. Don't worry about those other Matt Damon films. Anyway, Matt Damon said uh, it might take a little longer. And Dana White mentioned that at a press conference. I found it amusing that Dana was getting medical advice for one of his fighters from Matt Damon and then <laughs> talking about it to the media. I'm not sure what that was about. Matt Damon might be one of those part celebrity owners in the UFC, too. He was at the show in Australia and obviously talked to White, but uh, just kind of funny that Dana White is basing Whitaker's timetable on Matt Damon's diagnosis when Damon is neither a doctor nor did he actually examine Robert Whitaker. But that's the world we live in nowadays. So when that fight got pulled, um, obviously the show lost some star power. Granted, Whitaker's not a huge, huge name in MMA or a huge draw, but it severely weakened a card that already had little name value. The main event became Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva. That moved up from the co-main. And <clears throat> it actually went to a decision. Adesanya won the fight unanimously, 29-28, 30-27, 30-27. He was obviously the, the quicker, younger fighter, um, the better striker as well. Anderson wasn't totally outmatched, but he didn't have a lot of output. He didn't do much damage. Um, there were times Anderson was just clowning around, too. He, I think two or three times he just put his hands down and let Adesanya punch him in the face multiple times which was odd, and then Adesanya would back off. I think he was afraid of a counter, like 
Anderson's known for doing, but that didn't really happen. Anderson was doing some weird like spin kicks to the calf and people liked the fight. I, I wasn't that into it. I think Adesanya could have pressed a little more, uh, maybe gone for the finish, especially when Silva had his hands down and was just being punched in the face. Like it, it was a weird, weird fight. Um, a lot of people were talking like, oh, this is like the Matrix. And a lot of it I, I felt was more showboating and clowning around. I, I didn't have the same opinion on this fight that a lot of people did that it was a great fight it was okay um but again it's just like it was one of those anderson silva fights where he did a lot of clowning around and didn't try and win the fight it felt like maybe he was trying and he's old and he's not that good um there were some times he attacked but there was a lot of times where he just leaned up against the cage and waved adesanya over and adesanya wouldn't engage it it, it was what it was. It was an Anderson Silva fight. Um, where this leaves the middleweight division, God only knows. It, it, it's kind of a mess at this point uh, because you would think Gastelum should get the shot against Whitaker when Whitaker's healthy. Gastelum earned that shot. Again, though, he's not a huge name. He could lose his spot. He's got no power. There's no contract signed where it says... In case of fight cancellation, you get the next title shot no matter what. I doubt that's in his contract anymore. Gaslam was walking around with a UFC championship belt. Rumor was that it was Henry Cejudo's championship, his 125-pound flyweight title, because Ali Abdelaziz manages both guys, Gaslam and Cejudo, so he must have gotten Cejudo's belt, given it to Gaslam, and Gaslam was in the arena cage side, for the show with a championship belt that he did not win. He never fought Robert Whitaker, obviously, and he looked like an idiot. People, th Some people thought this was clever. It was a good way to keep his name out there, but he just looked like a, a fool, I thought. Um, hopefully, Kelvin Gastelum isn't listening to this podcast from my kitchen. Imagine if he was. That would be something else. Anyway, yeah, don't walk around with a belt you didn't win when the guy you were supposed to fight is having surgery, like sewing back up with mesh his abdomen. Like, what, like, what a tool. <laughs> what a tool. Uh, the idea was that this was Ali Abdelaziz's idea, uh, which I don't know if, it's, if that's true or not, but it, it, if it's a dumb idea... Probably was. We're going to go with the idea. This was Ali's idea, and Gaslam's walking around with a belly, didn't win, looking like a total idiot. So, ideally, in a couple months, they, they do Whitaker Gastelum, and then maybe Adesanya fights the winner. I mean, Adesanya didn't blow me away here, but it, it seems to be the direction they're going. I'd be okay with Adesanya taking another fight, uh, another guy higher up the ladder, maybe have him fight Chris Weidman. And then the winner of Weidman Adesanya could fight the winner of Whitaker Gastelum. To me, that makes some sense. Um, but I, I don't think, even though Gastelum was being a tool walking around with that belt, pretending he was middleweight champ, you should take the, the title shot away from him. I, I'd like to see Adesanya get another fight too, but it really just depends on what the UFC and matchmakers think is going to draw and the direction they want to go. Putting Adesanya in there with Weidman's risky. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Weidman could take that fight to the ground and submit Adesanya. That would not surprise me at all. Um, but the UFC likes Weidman, too. Maybe Weidman versus the, Whitt the Whittaker-Gaslam winner makes sense, too. Um, we'll see what they decide. But anything can happen. It's going to come down to what they think will make the most money at that moment. That's how their booking works now. So uh, Gaslam could get screwed but only, only time will tell. It'll depend what else uh, UFC has going on at that time. Uh, after the fight, Anderson Silva said he would like to fight Nick Diaz at UFC 237 in Curitiba, Brazil in a rematch. They had a no contest about five years ago. I think Diaz popped for weed after and Adesanya, I'm sorry, and Anderson Silva popped for some sort of steroid or something. He said it was 
some kind of uh, sexual supplement from Thailand he blamed it on. So both guys had stuff in their system that they weren't supposed to at the time of the fight. So Anderson said he would like a rematch with Nick Diaz. Conor McGregor immediately tweeted out he wanted to see that fight and he would like to fight Nate Diaz on that card in Brazil, which is counter to his claims that he wanted to fight Donald Cerrone. Uh, he says he a lot of things on Twitter now and is keeping his name in the news. Um, but geez, I was thinking like a card in Brazil, Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz and Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz. That would, that would be good. That would be awesome. It would kind of be like a throwback show, but I, I don't see the Diaz brothers uh, in a real hurry to get down to Brazil They have trouble getting from California to Vegas on time, let alone getting to another country. Uh, Nick Diaz actually, I don't know where he said this. Let me me see if I can figure this out. But he essentially said, I don't want to hurt nobody. I just want to party. And if you follow him on Instagram or really any um, Snapchat, whatever it might be, he's always in Vegas at casinos partying. at this point, I don't know if Nick is retired. I think he's 36 now. Um, so he's getting up there. He hasn't fought since the Anderson fight like five years ago. Um, so you, you never know what Nick Diaz is up to. If he runs out of money, he'll probably come back and try and get a big money fight and then retire again. But the idea of two Diaz brothers on a show in Brazil... I like it. That 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 would be something I I would pay for and watch. I just for the the chaos and the curiosity factor alone. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but you never know with Nick. He could change his mind, and you never know uh, if Anderson doesn't fight Nick next. I I mean I'm okay with Anderson retiring, but he shouldn't be fighting top five guys now. He hasn't had a legitimate win in a long long time. I. I like the Derek Brunson fight was competitive, um, but a lot of people thought Brunson won that fight. So he, I, I don't know who Anderson can fight. I mean, the GSP fight doesn't really make sense, and GSP doesn't look like he's looking to fight again. Um, I don't know what you do with Anderson Silva. Um, put him in there with a striker, a decent striker. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you do with him. Um, I'd be okay with him retiring at this point. He's going to be 44 in April, and it's not like he's going to be getting a title shot anytime soon. So I, the, the Nick fight makes sense because Nick is, you know, a, a natural welterweight and is older and hasn't won many fights in the last decade himself. So Nick Diaz would be the fight that would make the most sense to me, even though that first fight was kind of boring. But uh, there's not a lot of options for 44-year-old middleweights who have one like split decision win in the last six or seven years. Uh, in the rest of the card for UFC 237, um, this is a rough one. If anyone in several years can remember the, the co-main event from the show, they, they deserve a, a cookie, a plaque, some sort of prize. It was Lando Fanada. Funky Venata defeating Marcos Rosa Mariano by submission. It was a Kimura in 455 of the first. Venata was just dominant on the ground. Mariano looked like a fish out of water here, taking a lot of punches. And then, like with, I don't know, I'd say about 10 seconds left, Venata moved to north-south and got the Kimura. And Mariano looked like... He had no idea what was happening and tapped like immediately with five seconds left in the round. We all had also had Ricky Simone defeating Ronnie Yaya. 30-27, 30-27, 30 30 30 Simone was better on the feet. Yaya couldn't get a takedown. Montana De La Rosa defeated Nadia Kasem. Uh, submission, it was an armbar at 237 of the second. De La Rosa just dominated on the ground. She looked really good. Um, at flyweight, it's a thin division, and she's going to be a contender pretty soon. Um, I think she has a loss to Mackenzie Dern back like in LFA before either one of them were in the UFC. 
Uh, De La Rosa is only 23. She's a young fighter. Um, yeah, she lost to Mackenzie Dern and Cynthia Calvillo in Legacy. And now she's run off four straight wins, um, including one at the Ultimate Fighter finale. And she, she's looking pretty good. She's got three straight, I should say, four straight submission wins. So uh, a name to look out there. Uh, Montana de la Rosa, especially in that thin flyweight division. There's not a lot of fighters there. Then in the opener of the main card, Jimmy Crew defeated Sam Alvey by TKO at 249 of the first. Weird fight here. Smiling Sam not happy with the decision at all. Troop dropped Alvey with like a right, moved in to finish it, then stepped away thinking the fight was over. Ref Mark Goddard hadn't stopped the fight. Alvey got back up, and the fight went to the floor just a few seconds later. Crute started landing punches on the ground. Alvey wasn't really moving, but he wasn't out either, but he wasn't doing much def- defending. He was just taking these big right hands to the side of the head and wasn't really trying to get up. He was almost like turtled. Um, so Goddard stopped the fight. And Alvy was not happy. Crute's flipping around, doing somersaults, all excited. And Alvy's just screaming at Goddard, which is very not Alvy style. I mean, he's smiling Sam. He's always happy. He was not happy here. But at the same time, I kind of got where Goddard was coming from. Alvy got dropped and then took 20 straight punches on the ground and didn't do much to defend. Could he have done more? Yeah. Was he out? No. He he was not out at that point, but you got to intelligently defend yourself, and I, I don't think Alvy really was. Um, he felt he was okay, but sometimes you got to do more. You got to get up. You got to change position. You got to, you know, find a way to tell the ref you're okay. And Goddard didn't feel like Alvy had done that. Alvy thought he was fine, and he left the cage not happy afterwards. I'll be honest, I didn't see any of the prelims. We're not even going to talk about it because there's no names anyone really even knows. Ishihara lost. That's about it. Rear naked choke. Uh, fight of the night went to Adesanya versus Silva. Performances of the night went to Montana De La Rosa and Devante Smith, who had a TKO win over Dong Hyun Ma at 349 of the first. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, Connor, despite saying he was going to fight Nate Diaz at UFC 237 if he could get on the show with Anderson and Nick, uh, Donald Cerrone on Instagram says he's going to fight Connor McGregor this summer and is predicting a knockout. On Instagram, he wrote at the Notorious MMA, which is Connor's Instagram handle. Looks like we get to fight for 155 interim title. Proper Whiskey versus Budweiser. Budweiser is a sponsor, a longtime sponsor of Cerrone. I'm okay with that fight. I, I don't think it should be for an interim title. <laughs> I don't think Cerrone's one win at 155 over Alex Hernandez uh, warrants a 155-pound title shot, and Connor probably shouldn't get a title shot coming off a loss against Khabib the way he did. Um but I, I I like that fight. I, I think Cerrone's earned it. He's got the most wins in UFC history. He's been a warrior for them. Fights all the time. Always has good fights. And th- they'll build the fight well. It, it, it's a great fight. Uh, if Cerrone wins, you could do a title shot for him next against Khabib. Uh, if Connor wins, you can do a title shot for him next against Khabib. Um I don't know where Tony Ferguson gets left in all this. He gets screwed. Maybe maybe do Cerrone Connor versus the winner of Cerrone and Connor versus the winner of Khabib and Ferguson. I'd be that would probably be the ideal situation. Uh and the most fair situation. But Khabib's gonna be out until, you know, later later in the fall at the earliest, uh, with his suspension from Nevada and Ramadan and all that stuff. So, 
I think in the meantime, a, a Connor Cowboy fight makes sense. Or you could do Fer- Ferguson versus either of those guys too. Ferguson deserves a title shot. He deserves a big money fight too. So we'll, we'll see what they end up doing. But Connor's saying he, he wants to fight everybody. He'll fight in Brazil against Nate. He'll fight Cerrone. He probably wants to fight in Ireland at Croke Park. He he's keeping his name out there, and there's a lot of interesting potential fights for him. Whoever he fights is, um, it'll be a big deal, no matter who it is. But I, to me, more than anybody, I think Cerrone's earned it and deserves it. So uh, we'll see what they end up doing there. Um, in the end, this UFC 237 show probably is not going to do well on pay-per-view with the, the main event falling out. Um, I mean, if this does 150,000 buys, I, I, I think they should be happy. Anderson Silva at this point isn't much of a draw coming off all these losses and layoffs. And nobody really knows who Israel Adesanya is. I mean, he's a, a potential star. There, there's some charisma. He's got a flashy style, but most people don't know him yet. Um, the prelims, though... Um, for UFC 234 did really well. I, I believe it was the second highest rated prelims they've ever done. Um, it got a 1.0 rating, um, which is probably around 1.5 million viewers on ESPN leading into the pay-per-view, um, which is huge. That's much better than they normally do. They had a good lead-in. There was, I, I think, a Duke NCAA basketball game, maybe Duke in Virginia, um, and I, I think on FS1, only a handful of shows ever did these numbers. Usually they were Ronda Rousey shows that ended up doing, you know, a million buys on pay-per-view. I don't think these numbers will translate like that. But again, the, the ESPN-UFC relationship is going well for UFC thus far. They're getting more viewers uh, on regular regular TV Obviously, we, we don't know the ESPN Plus numbers, how many people are watching shows on there. That, that's a, a different ball game. But these shows on ESPN, um, prelims, are, are doing well. They're doing good numbers. And then this coming weekend, um, they're going to have a, an entire show on ESPN. Uh, the Kane Velasquez versus Francis Ngannou fight um, card will be entirely on regular ESPN so that should do great numbers too so um, so far so good with UFC and ESPN Bellator also had a show this weekend we talked about it last week I I still don't know where you were supposed to watch this show I'm guessing bellator.com I didn't see any of it but in the main event Patricky Ferrer defeated Ryan Scope by split decision 29-28 28-29 I think that's all you really know. It was in Newcastle on February 9th. That is your Bellator Newcastle review. In other news, Daniel Cormier is going to push his retirement date back. He originally said he wanted to retire in March because he's turning 40, but he has some injuries and is going to push it back due to the injuries, which is interesting because if you want to retire when you were 40 because you're going to be too old to fight anymore and you're injured all the time and can't fight maybe that's a sign you should retire anyway i don't know (laughs) cormier still looked good he never lost the light heavyweight championship he's the heavyweight champion he he destroyed Derek lewis like nothing on short notice um so he's still a great fighter he's still competitive but there's some irony there. It's like, I'm, I'm going to be too old to fight when I'm 40. Now I'm injured all the time at 39. But I'll keep fighting past 40 once these injuries heal. Meh, I don't know. I don't know if I, I agree with uh, Cormier's logic there. He said on uh, the MMA Hour with Luke Thomas, I hurt my back in New York City when I sneezed. This was no joke, and it's just still trying to rehab it and get better. It was just hurting my back. I put a lot of miles on myself in my life with the wrestling, but then last year was a big year, and you don't get to have that type of year at my age and not really feel the effects of it. I'm still going through that right now. My thumb is fine. I think a lot of times you get hurt in so many ways, but then when one thing overtakes the other one, you almost forget about it. Then you start to focus on the back and getting the back better and then the hand. 
My doctor said I've got arthritis in my wrists. That's why my wrist bothers me all the time. So there's nothing I'm really going to be able to do about that. That's just something I have to deal with. But the back has been the focus lately. Bad back, bad thumb, arthritic wrists. Meh. Sounds like he should be taking a lot more fights. Come on, DC. Guys can never retire on top. Look at Anderson. Look at... Anybody, Randy Couture coming back, Chuck Liddell. Um, it'd be nice to just see somebody leave on a high note, you know? Retire champ champ and be done. Like, it, Are you going to favor this Daniel Cormier over John Jones at any weight class? No, it's like, it, to me it sounds like he's starting to fall apart. And granted, guys get hurt all the time, even in their 20s, but... When you're 40, it's a different story. And when you've been talking about retirement for a year, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe take one more fight that's winnable and, and call it a day. But the idea of DC fighting Stipe Miocic or John Jones, I don't like it. I, I like DC. I think he's a good dude. I, I want to see him get hurt. And it sounds like he's already hurt and he's not even fighting. <sighs> Johnny Walker, the fighter, not the scotch. I don't really like whiskey or scotch. I mean, scotch is a whiskey, but I don't know. I've never understood whiskey. People are into it. Jack Daniels, whatever it might be, but ugh, not feeling it. There's also a fighter named Johnny Walker. That's what I was referring to this time. He's going to take a short-notice fight at UFC 235 against Misha Serkinov. Uh, OSP was supposed to be fighting Serkinov, but OSP got injured. So now <clears throat> Johnny Walker is going to be going to Vegas on March 2nd. Um, this isn't a bad fight for Walker. It, it, it'll say a lot. Serkinov's a, a top 10, lower top 10, you know, UFC light heavyweight. He's been in the company for, for several years, probably. Eh, I'm scared to even say how long he's been in the UFC. I want to say at least five years. Um, he's got wins over Nikita Krylov and Ion Kutalaba. Um, also went over Patrick Cummins. He, 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 he's a good light heavyweight. Uh, it'll be a, a test for Walker and by far the, the best guy Walker's fought yet. Um, if you remember, Walker's coming back off that 15-second win over Justin Ledette where he threw that spinning back fist and um, knocked Ledette loopy and then finished with punches on the ground. Um, super charismatic guy, a lot of star potential, and this is a good uh, uh, will be a good test because Serkinov's no joke. Um, I don't know if it's too much, but we'll, we'll find out how good Johnny Walker is. He wins this fight. He'll probably fight a top five guy next and then be the number one contender at light heavyweight based on how, how thin that division is. Um, like, I can't imagine him beating, like, the, uh, the, the top guys. Like, I think Gustafson would light him up. I think T.C. Jones would kill him, but... That division's light, and, you know, Gus isn't going to get a title shot against Jones probably ever. And God only knows how long DC's out. So a, a couple wins for Walker, and he's he's in the mix there. Um, this weekend, we've got uh, UFC on ESPN. This is on February 17th, which is a Sunday night. A uh, little different, not a Saturday night show. So this is going to be the first full card ever on ESPN. In the main event, we've got Francis Ngannou versus Cain Velasquez at heavyweight. Um, a lot of name value there. Cain hasn't fought since UFC 200. That was where he destroyed, like, wrecked Travis Brown, looked incredible. But that was in July of 2016. So it's been more than a year and a half since Cain's last fight, and he's been plagued with injuries. Since 2013, the second JDS win, he's fought twice. He's fought twice in the last six years. Let that sink in. He fought Verdum in 2015, Brown in 2016. That's it. No fights in 14, no fights in 17, no fights in 18. If that guy could have stayed healthy, 
he, he's the greatest heavyweight of all time. Like, I think Prime Kane beats Prime Fedor. I, I, I think he, at heavyweight, if he fought Jones, I think it would have been super competitive. Um, the guy's just a workhorse. He's an animal, great wrestling, great striking, um, unbelievable cardio. But all that work and training, his body broke down. Now he's 36 and has fought twice in six years. It, it, it's a bummer. It's like if he could have, you wonder, if he could have cur- curtailed some of that training, would he, would he have been healthier and fought more but not been as good? I, I don't know. Like, like that work ethic and drive made him what he was. He was a killer, like destroyed Junior Dos Santos. Like JDS hasn't been the same fighter since. Um, the Bigfoot fights, the Lesnar fight, the um, Big Nog, Ben Rothwell. He he destroyed guys. But it was seven, eight, nine years ago now. I mean, he he was fighting in the UFC in. 2008 it's been 11 years since he debuted in the UFC um, and in that time he's done a lot of training he's had a lot of fights and he, he's just broken down so you wonder what cane you're going to get on Saturday night are you going to get a guy who is 36 and looks shopworn and is a lot slower and not the guy he used to be or do you have a guy who's only fought two times in six years and hasn't taken much damage as a young 36? Just based on all the injuries, you, you would think he'd have to be slower, not as good as he once was. But the heavyweight division is old anyway. All those guys are in their late 30s. Um, I mean, the heavyweight champion of the world is Daniel Cormier, who's like 5'9 and should be fighting at 185 pounds, not 235 pounds. And he's 40, and he's broken down as well. So I personally like Cain Velasquez in this fight against Francis Ngannou. I, I think Ngannou was exposed in that Stipe fight. Um... If Kane can get a hold of Nganu, it's like he'll get the takedown and and will dominate on the ground and and get the win. Um, Could he finish Nganu? I think so. Could Nganu land one big shot against Kane and finish him? Sure. Nganu's got incredible power, but I I think it'll be a lucky punch. I think Kane's just got too much experience and too much wrestling and too much grappling skill for Nganu to compete with him at all. Um... I see Kane winning this fight, um, even if he's not 100%, even if he's not the old Kane. I think 80% Kane can get this fight to the ground and win it there. Um, it's an intriguing fight, though, because, again, you, you don't know what Kane you're going to get. and I, It's hard for me to predict. I don't like making predictions because it's a fight and anything can happen. But uh, gun to my head, I, I pick Kane by... TKO on the ground. Um, I think I think he's gonna beat Ngannou up. Uh, in the semi main event, James Vick versus Paul Felder. Good lightweight fight. Um, Felder is not a ranked lightweight, but I, I feel like he should be. You know, a top fifteen guy. Vick is number ten in the lightweight rankings. Last I checked, Vick is coming off a loss, I believe. Yeah, against Justin Gaethje, knockout loss at 127 on the first. Uh, prior to that, he had run off four straight wins. He's 13-2 and two overall. So he, he's a tall, lanky guy at 155. He, he's a big dude. Um, Felder, obviously, is also an announcer in the UFC. Um, he, he likes to brawl. He likes to throw down. This should be a good action fight. Um, I'm presuming most of it will be done on the feet. He, obviously, he's gonna have a Felder's gonna have a reach disadvantage here. It's a tough fight to pick because I I like Felder a lot. I think he's the more skilled striker, the more technical guy. But sometimes that size difference is a deal breaker. Um, both guys are coming off losses. Uh, Felder lost to Mike Perry when he moved up to one seventy. That was a split decision. 
Um, I'm picking Paul Felder. I like Felder. Uh, straw weights. We've got Courtney Casey versus Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, we also have Alex Caceres versus the debuting crone Gracie. Gracie, um, unbelievable jujitsu. Um, just a total killer on the ground. Uh, if everything happens correctly, and this is like amazing, shocking to me, this will be the 5,000th fight in UFC history. And I don't know how this happened, but Gracie is the grandson of Helio, who's basically like the father of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and the son of Hickson. And he's going to fight in the 5,000th fight in UFC history. Just the timing and the history there and the chances of that happening are so slim. Like, did they plan it or this just randomly happened? They happened to sign Crone a few months ago. They threw him on this card and it just worked out that this is going to be the 5,000th fight. Um, that's amazing. Like, like I, I wouldn't say like chills or whatever because that's kind of silly, but um, just time-wise, that, that's amazing. Like, Helio's the guy, the old dude who was walking out with Hoist Gracie at UFC 1 with you know, the hands on the shoulders and walking out in that that single-file line where they marched out all together. Um, just amazing, amazing stuff. I, I, I like history, and apparently I also like round numbers because this will be... As long as somebody gets hurt, misses weight, that sort of stuff, should be the 5,000th fight. I mean, if somebody gets hurt or misses weight, move it around so it still is the 5,000th the fight. Um but yeah, Crone, unbelievable um, grappler. Um, like Abu Dhabi, first place winner multiple times. Um, World Jiu-Jitsu Championships. Um, just nasty on the ground. In the MMA's inexperience, he's just 4-0. Uh, but he's got a, a win over Kawajiri, a rear naked choke at 204 in the second. That was back in 2016. So he hasn't fought MMA in you know, over two years. Um, and Caceres is good. He's not great. Um, if the fight goes to the ground, you got to assume Crone will get the, the sub. Um, I mean, he, he's he's beating Gary Tonin and stuff. Like, like he's really, really good at grappling. Um, but again, that, that was four or five years ago, too. So he hasn't been real active in the last couple of rounds. So last couple of years hopefully he's been working on his striking um obviously he's a smaller smaller guy um i believe this fight is at 145 so keep an eye on crone gracie uh we've also got vicente luque versus brian barbarina at welterweight decent fight there at featherweight andre touchy feely versus miles jury jury's always an intriguing guy to me he looked like he was going to be a top guy at 155. Um, had that really bad fight against Cowboy Cerrone. Then, you know, fought one more time against Charles Oliveira. Got submitted. Then took basically two years off. Came back at a couple wins. And then lost to Chad Mendez by TKO back in 2018, July of 2018. So he's had about six months off. Um, jury's still 17-3. and three. Um with quite a few wins in the UFC. I mean, he's got wins over Michael Johnson, Ramsey Nijum, um, Diego, Gomi, Rick Glenn. Decent guys. Um, he just looked like somebody who was going to be, you know, a perennial top five kind of lightweight. Now he's moved down to featherweight because he had a couple losses. Um and Feely's good, good striker. Should be should be a fun fight, depending on what what jury we get. Um, on the prelims, the the main event, which is also on ESPN, is Jimmy Rivera versus Aljamain Sterling. Great fight at bantamweight. Two almost top five ish guys. Uh, we've also got Benito Lopez versus Manny Bermudez. Ashley Evans Smith versus Andrea KGB Lee. Scott Holtzman versus the Carney Nick Lentz. On the prelims on ESPN Plus, how far the mighty have fallen. Henan Burrell versus Luke Sanders. Jessica Penne versus Jody Esquibel. And Alexandra Albu versus Emily Whitmire. Henan Burrell's a sad, sad case. Um, 
he's only 32 years old and was 32 and 1 when he defended the bantamweight championship against Uriah Faber in 2014 since then he has gone 2 and 6 losses two losses to Dillashaw Jeremy Stevens lost to Aljamain Sterling Brian Kelleher and Andre Yule so he's got three straight losses. His last win was against Felipe Nova, a nurse. I don't know what happened to Burrell. <laughs> it's like he's only 32. He should still like be in his prime. Um, obviously, he's fought a lot. A lot of people are talking USADA is his issue. He missed weight by five, five and three quarters pounds for his last fight against Yule. Wonder if he's even gonna make weight for this fight. Um, I don't know what happened to Hennep Morrell. Used to be a killer, and now he looks slow and tentative, and not the fighter he used to be. Um, there's also a Bellator show this weekend on Friday night from the Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, Connecticut. Um, I've been there a couple times. Didn't lose a lot of money, but. Probably a couple hundred bucks I've given them over the years. Uh, in the main event, Matt Mitrion versus Sergey Heritonov is your main event. Um, I feel like Heritonov got knocked out bad recently. Let's find out. Oh, I am wrong. He's actually coming off a knockout win against Roy Nelson. I apologize. In Uncasville. So he returns to the home of one of his bigger career wins, knocking out Roy Nelson to face Matt Mitrione, who, correct me if I'm wrong, is coming off a loss to Bader. Let's look. Yes, unanimous decision loss to Bader. That's where he fought Bader for 15 minutes and didn't land one significant strike, if you remember that one. He just got taken down and beat up. Um, I feel like Mitrione should be able to outstrike Heritonov at this point, but... Maybe Heritonov gets it to the ground. Obviously, Mitrion couldn't do anything with Bader as far as grappling goes. Heritonov's been around since, like, pride. He's old. Um, I haven't watched enough of these guys closely in the last couple of years. And on top of it, no one cares anyway. Logan Storley versus Ion Pascu. Eduardo Dantes versus Toby Misech. And Austin Vanderford uh, opens the show. Uh, that is Paige Van Zandt's husband. Um, yeah, not a lot of name value other than that. Then I think, check. On Saturday, there's another Bellator show. This is Bellator 216. Uh, Michael Venom Page versus Paul Daly. This is clearly the bigger of their their two shows. Um This is also at the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville. So they're running back-to-back shows in in the woods in Connecticut. Uh, this one's got Michael Page, like I said, versus Paul Daly. Probably one of the bigger fights in British MMA history. Um, two strikers from Great Britain. Um, should be an action fight. You would think Page would have the advantage. He's a he's longer, younger striker of the two. But Paul Daly hits hard, and if he clips you, um, you're probably going to go down. Um, in the co-main, we've got Czech Congo versus Vitaly Minikov, heavyweight fight. We also have Mirko Krokop versus Roy Nelson on this show. I believe they were supposed to fight in England or Ireland or something for UFC 200, and the fight got pulled. So... Uh, much-awaited Krokop versus Roy Nelson fight 15 years past their primes. Um, Yaroslav Amosov versus Eric Silva, former UFC fighter. And Valerie Lareda versus Kobe Fletcher in a women's flyweight fight. So three shows this weekend. Bellator Friday, Bellator Saturday, and UFC on Sunday. I hope uh, you don't have a lot going on this weekend if you are an MMA fan. Uh, in other news, I do like to not just talk MMA. I am a cultured, well-rounded individual. 
Uh, a few stories caught my eye. Uh, in Houston, police are investigating after a tiger was found in a home on Monday. Officials said two people who went into the abandoned home to smoke marijuana called 911 when they found the large cat. 911 officials transferred the call to the BARC Animal Shelter, which got a warrant to search the home. Cruz nicknamed him Tyson after a character in the movie The Hangover. Officers said Tyson was well-fed and in good shape, but in accommodations poorly suited for him. He's in a rinky-dink cage that could easily bust open. It was secured with a nylon strap and a screwdriver for the top of the cage. He could have gone on a rampage in the city. Anything could have happened. They tranquilized the tiger so they could move him to uh, the animal rescue place for the night. Um, he'll eventually be moved to an animal sanctuary in Texas. They're trying to figure out who the owner is. It's, believe it or not, legal to own a tiger in Texas if the owner has a wild game permit. But it's illegal to have one in Houston and Tyson's owner, if found, could face a hefty fine. There's a lot to unpack here with this story. I am not a uh, marijuana smoker. If anyone knows me, uh, they probably know that. Not against it. Don't care. Um, do what you want. I'm fine with it being legal. Um, live and let live, if you know what I mean. But... Is that common practice to take your weed and go smoke it in an abandoned house? Like I hear like, you know, like back in high school, even back in high school, I didn't smoke weed. I've never smoked weed. Um, you know, kids are going in the woods and drinking or whatever, smoking weed in the woods. Do you go into like abandoned houses and do it? And then what are the chances you find a tiger in a cage? And then you call the 911 because you broke into a house with a bunch of weed and found a tiger. It's such a weird thing to do. And so out of uh, my, my realm of experiences that I, I'm baffled by the entire thing. Um, then it was kept in like a shoddy cage. Like if the house is abandoned and you're trying to hide a tiger, why not just hide tiger in your own house why would you bring it to an abandoned house that no one lives in that there's probably homeless people going in and out all the time there's a lot of strange behavior here by humans um where did this person get the tiger like chances are you have to have a lot of money to buy a tiger i haven't looked on like craigslist or anything for tigers recently but i feel like they got to be a few thousand bucks i mean my Dumbass Puggle, I think, cost $1,200, and that was like, I don't know, 12 years ago? What the heck? What? Maybe it was like 800 bucks. Either way, Puggles are hundreds of dollars. How much could Tigers be? It's going to be 50 grand, I would think. I have no experience in wild animal purchases. But why would you keep it in an abandoned house in a shitty cage? Like, take care of the tiger if you're going to spend all that money on it. I would think. Maybe they stole it and they were hiding it in an abandoned house. But how the hell do you steal a tiger? Like, do you steal from the zoo? Do you steal from Mike Tyson? I'm not stealing a tiger from Mike Tyson. I feel like the zoo has cameras and it'd be tough as hell to get a tiger out of one of those, like, pens they keep them in. I'm confused. I'm also curious if you're allowed to have tigers in Massachusetts. Like, Texas is pretty wild. Everybody's got a gun. Like, so if a tiger escapes, you know, there's plenty of people who can shoot the tiger. But in Massachusetts, I mean, we're leaning a little more left in this area. I don't think most people are walking around with guns. Uh, so maybe tigers are illegal here, too. Hopefully. If a tiger gets loose, I'm, I'm in big trouble. The neighbor of uh, at the abandoned house said, it's big and it's scary. A lot of kids are around the street too. My kids, the neighbor has kids. 
So it's scary. Yeah. Loose tigers in your neighborhood. Kind of scary. Uh, is there a lesson to take from all of this? Don't do drugs? Is that the lesson? Don't look a gift tiger in the mouth? I don't know. I don't know what the lesson is. Don't break into houses, don't steal tigers. Do unto others. Mm, I don't think that applies. Moving along, in other animal news, uh, the president of the United States of America, of America, Donald Trump, um, was asked why he does not have a dog. <sighs> With all the stuff that Trump um, does and says, whether or not he has a dog uh, does not register on my radar. I don't think it should register on anyone's radar. This is a story in the Washington Post. We're trying to build walls at the border. We're in trade wars with China. We're trying to create a space force. And reporters are asking Trump why he doesn't have a dog. This is part of the problem, people. Part of the problem. I'll give President Trump a bit of advice. If you do get a dog, don't get a puggle. Don't do it. They're evil evil creatures. Stay away from puggles. Get like a golden retriever. They're good dogs. They shed, but they're good dogs. So the question was asked, how does the president not have a dog? He's the first president in 120 years that doesn't have a dog in the White House. Trump was at, um, you know, one of his, I don't even know what they're called where all his supporters get together and he uh, just riffs off the cuff. And he was talking about how German shepherds are good at sniffing out drugs smuggled across the border. And he said to the crowd, you do love your dogs, don't you? I wouldn't mind having one, honestly, but I don't have any time. How would I look walking a dog on the White House lawn? Here's the thing. I like part of that response. President should be busy, not have time for a dog. I'm great with that. Obviously, Obama didn't take care of his dog. He had staff that did that, and it was more for show. And I really doubt any of these presidents really took care of their dogs, especially LBJ. Remember that picture where, where Johnson picked the dog up by its ears? That guy was not a good dog owner. Guaranteed. But I doubt any of these presidents really are. And I, I can appreciate the fact that Trump says he doesn't have time for a dog. Good. Run the country. Don't take care of a dog. That's great. The part that is classic Trump, though, is where he says, how would I look walking a dog on the White House lawn? Like, like Trump looks so good normally. Anywhere. Like He's not the best looking human being in general. Would he look silly walking a dog? Probably. Does he seem like the type that would kick his dog? Yes. Um, it's probably better for everyone, the dog included. It's a, like, would you be better off being owned by President Trump or being in like like a dog pound? I wonder. I feel like you would get more love and attention in a dog pound. Like, there's some nice people who work in the animal shelters, you know, who care for the dogs and are there because they want to see, you know, these pets find a home. Those dogs might be better off than if they were being cared for by President Trump. If Trump has a bunch of people working for him, he can take care of the dog. Okay, but if you had to pick, if you were a dog, if you were a puggle, if you were Lucy the Puggle, would you rather be in the dog pound or solely taken care of by Donald Trump? Hmm. I'm taking the pound. I would take the pound. I don't think Trump would take good care of, of me if I was a puggle named Lucy. No, I don't. And finally, we have a story that I can relate to very much. 
The headline reads, Son didn't want to take a bath, so Dad attempts to run him over with a truck. I have a son. He's five. I also have a daughter who's ten. Actually, they're five and a half and ten and a half now. Um, Trying to get them to take a bath or shower is always a struggle. My daughter's better with it now. She'll just go and do it herself. Uh, My son, I have to ask him 20 times to get in. Sometimes I I try and trick him. I give him choices. Do you want to get in the tub now or in five minutes? Then he'll be like, ah, five minutes. I'm like, okay. So I give him choices. But he doesn't really have a choice. He's taking a bath either way. But like he feels as though he has some power. It's like a Jedi mind trick. That usually works. Sometimes he's like, neither. I'm like, you got to pick one. And be like, okay, let's just do it now. I'm like, great. We get him in and out in five minutes. It's not a big deal. When he says neither five minutes or right now, I've never thought about running him over with a motor vehicle. That's never crossed my mind. Let's learn more. Shockingly, this took place in Escambia County, Florida. A man has been arrested after he attempted to run over his son with a truck because the son didn't want to take a bath. According to an arrest report from the sheriff's office, a witness called police after he said he could hear loud outbursts of yelling and a vehicle accelerating at high speeds. The witness stated when he walked outside to see what was happening when he saw a young man running trying to avoid a person, later identified as Joseph Riley, driving a truck who appeared to be following him. The report said the victim came to the witness's house for help out of fear his dad was going to run him over with his truck. According to the report, the victim stated his father had asked him to take a bath numerous times, and when he didn't comply with his father, Riley threatened to spank him with a belt. Something else I've never done. The victim did not wish for that to happen, so he left the residence, at which time Riley climbed into his truck and started chasing him. The report also revealed the victim saying Riley had been drinking that day. Shocking. When Riley was interviewed by police, he appeared intoxicated and had a hard time standing by himself. Riley wouldn't cooperate with the officers and became aggressive by lunging at the deputies. He was arrested and charged with domestic violence for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. is interesting so the dad is drunk driving around in a pickup truck trying to run over his kid so there's DUI issues here also there's domestic assault there's a lot happening here but again if you're really drunk why are you trying to give your kid a bath anyway like I I haven't been really drunk lately, but I feel like usually I just kind of uh, watch TV and doze off. I'm not trying to get my kids in the tub. Maybe this guy's actually more responsible than me. Because he's like, ah, I still got to give little Billy here a bath. I'll just bring, bring this beer up. We'll get him in the tub. Can wash him up. Finish this beer. That'll work. Hey, Billy. You gotta give you a bath. No, Dad, I don't want a bath. Get in the tub. No, I don't wanna. I'm gonna run you over with this truck. Seems like a leap. There's gotta be more going on here. I'll, I'll try and follow up on this story. Because it is relatable in a lot of ways to me. But typically I I don't try and get the kids in the tub while I'm inebriated. Nor do I get behind the wheel of a motor vehicle. Nor do I threaten my kid with a belt. But we'll see whose kids turn out better. Maybe this guy's, maybe Riley's kid will turn out better and he did a better job. Who knows? Is it nature or nurture? We'll never know. On that note, thanks for listening to the MMA MMA show, Matt's Middle-Aged 
Mixed Martial Arts Show. We will be back next week. Uh, check out, there's a, a Twitter account, MMA, MMA Show. There's also an Instagram, MMA, MMA Show. Uh, you can email me. Hey there. The show got cut off. You can only record for about an hour. I was talking about email, how you can reach me if you ever wanted to, which uh, you probably don't, and uh, I can appreciate that. But there is uh, an email address, show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and I should be back next week probably on Wednesday instead of Tuesday, unless there's a uh, weird snowstorm or an act of God that I can't predict at this time. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you later. Bye-bye.